It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked On Titans. I'm Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Terry Lambert. Terry, how are you today? Doing pretty good. What's going on? Not a whole lot. We've got some uh, news things to talk about, kind of surrounding the Titans. A few uh, just kind of odds and ends things have happened since the last time we recorded, so we'll catch you up on all of that. Before we do that, remind you, we write for MediaCityMiracles.com. We cover the Titans for SB Nation, so you can check us out there. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Terry's at T Lambert FB. You can get your podcast wherever you, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search out Locked On Titans. Okay, so. Mike Vrabel had his uh, end-of-the-year press conference uh, on Monday, I guess it was. And, you know, not nothing really, no huge revelations really that came out of that other than, you know, just kind of a confirmation on everything with, that happened with Marcus Mariota and the spine doctor and, you know, advising about the play, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and they were kind of trying to get Vrabel to, you know, talk about what this means, him being injured as much as he has. And, you know, Brable basically said, look, when he's healthy and available, uh, he did a good job of, of helping this team win. And then, you know, there are other times when he wasn't available. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. We're going to spend a lot of time this offseason debating Marcus Mariota. We'll probably do an episode maybe tomorrow. Uh, just kind of giving you our thoughts on, you know, where he is, where this team is with him and all that kind of stuff. Um but, you know, all, all we've heard for the last, you know, since Sunday morning really is the debate on whether or not he should have played, you know, who would have played, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But, I, I mean, I think you can really, if you're reading between the lines with everything, I think it was the organization's decision for him not to play on Sunday. I think Mike very well made that ultimate call. I think we both agreed that it was the right one. Um, so, hopefully, we can at least a little bit put to bed the whole, you know, He's soft. He didn't want to be out there. I mean, that stuff's dumb. And I mean, some people are going to continue to kind of go along those lines. But from everything that we've heard, it really sounds like that at the end of the day, it was an organization decision not to have him out there. It was an organization decision. It was influenced by people outside of the team. Uh, you know, a lot went into this, and, and that's kind of what we speculated. There was a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen uh, with, with this decision. Uh, which is probably why you saw it made, be made so late, um, even on Sunday morning. So, look, uh, you, you cannot fault the team for, for looking out for their guy long term. You know, we've seen him take just the, the most routine-looking hit or, or sack or a fall on it, and it creates a stinger situation. So, uh, clearly something's wrong. Uh, and I applaud the team for... for uh, really sitting him down in such a key spot. You know, it's, it's certainly not how we wanted to end the season. It's not how anyone wanted. Uh, you could really tell it, it upset Marcus just with how he carried himself coming out of the tunnel, uh, kind of on the sidelines. So I, I think Marcus has done enough for fans to give him the benefit of the doubt that he would love for nothing more to be out there. Just kind of sad to, to see the, the reaction to all this, to, to see – Kind of the Twitter mob leading the charge. You know, if you have questions about Marcus, that's fine. They're, they're warranted. Um, but don't question his toughness. Don't question his decision to play because clearly it was out of his hand. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, hopefully we can move on from that. But I, I know that we can't because um, there's just a, a you know, a, a group of people out there that, that are going to take this and run with it. And it's going to be their narrative surrounding Marcus Mariota 
you know, until he either, you know, plays all 16 games next year or doesn't, and then that'll be what they always talk about. So, anyway, uh, the other thing that happened on Monday was Brian Arakpo announced his retirement. And, look, Arakpo was in the last year of his, his contract this year anyway, so he didn't have a contract here for 2019. Um, you know, I, I don't know if a team what, – what level of interest the team would have had in bringing him back. Uh, he was he was banged up most of the year. wasn't very effective when he was on the field. Obviously, had a great career and was in the, in the league ten years. And uh, you know, from a Titan standpoint, he was one of the guys they brought in, and I, I think he was really responsible for helping change that culture in the locker room. Seemed like a guy that was you know always a team first guy, a leader. Um, you, you know, we we heard a lot about the problems they had really before Malarkey. Um, with guys only caring about themselves and, and not buying into the message and all that kind of stuff. And I think Arakpo was one of the guys that came in and was a, a key contributor to helping make that change. Um, you know, had a couple of good years here uh, with the with the Titans. They got him for somewhat of a discount uh, when they signed him because he was coming off of the injuries and, and was healthy for the most part in, until this year in his time here. So, I mean, I, I think a guy that, you know, when you kind of look back on his his time here with the team – uh, played a significant role on the field, but also in the locker room. And I think he deserves, you know, at least some portion of, of the credit for the culture change and kind of where this organization is now versus where it was before he got here. Yeah, I totally agree. He's uh, kind of the defensive version of, of DeMarco Murray, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of the same role, uh, veteran leadership on the tail end of, of his career, uh, stopgap type player. Uh, Titans really didn't have any pass rush when he got on the scene. He he kind of helped steady that ship. Uh, nothing outstanding, he, you know. He was an average to above average player. Uh, but like you said, the leadership, the locker room stuff, the, the things that he brought to the table uh, go a long way. You know, it, it feels like a, a downtime for Titans fans right now. But you got to remember three straight winning seasons. Guys like Arakpo, guys like Demarco Murray. You know, we always go back and credit Mike Malarkey. Uh, you know, maybe not from an X's and O's type uh, standpoint, but from a locker room standpoint and kind of setting the tone for this new era. Uh, you got to give those guys credit. Yeah, absolutely. So Rackpo was here for four seasons, uh, played in all sixteen games. Uh, his first three seasons here, obviously missed three this year. Um, seven sacks that first year, ten and a half in two thousand sixteen, and then seven again in two thousand seventeen. So. Um, yeah, it came in and, and made some contributions. It was, was a good find for this team uh, coming off of the 2014 season with the Redskins where he, I think he tore his pack and, and only played in seven games that year. So was a good guy you know, to have in this locker room and, and did some good things here. So um, wish him success. Obviously, the, the, the commercials with him and Michael Griffin in, the, in their cupcake store, um, I, I hadn't seen those until this last weekend or so, and it seemed like they were on every commercial break. Uh, this weekend, so Arakpo said, you know, they're doing that. He's going to be moving back to Texas. Um, said, you know, he he likes Nashville and will always kind of view it as his, as his second home. But he's a guy that's that's from Texas, I think, born and raised. So, um, but anyway, good for him and good for him to be able to go ahead and just you know walk away now. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what level of interest there would have been in him uh, on the free agent market or here. You know, we talked about him and Derek Morgan both. You know, just finished up the last seasons of their contracts. Uh, you know, we never really thought that both of them would be back. A chance that maybe they could bring one of them back, depending on how other things shake out. But, um, you know, we're going to see now if that's what happens with Derek Morgan. All right, coming up, we'll talk about 
some coaching staff news that has come out in the last, really this morning, but over the last couple of days. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. We got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. Let's throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Matt LaFleur is going to interview with the Green Bay Packers. I think Paul Kuharski reported today that interview is going to take place on Sunday. Um, We'll have a bigger discussion surrounding LaFleur in the final segment of this show. But, um, you know, he was a guy that when, when, when he came in here, um, you know, there was this, there was a thing. People were mad that he didn't get the head coaching job. Concerned that you know he was just going to be here for a season and then you know or a season or two and take off somewhere else. The offense didn't play out the way that we all hoped that it would this year. Um, so on one hand, I'm a little bit surprised that he's getting run as a head coaching candidate. But we saw you know even last year. I mean, he interviewed for the head coaching job here before he came off the offensive coordinator. You know, being working with the guy that he's worked with, uh, you know, McVeigh's and Shanahan's, all, all that group, um, and with the, the importance of offense in today's NFL, uh, I mean, I guess you're not necessarily surprised from that standpoint. Um, but like I said, we'll get into kind of what it what it what it would mean or what it wouldn't mean um, for him to take that job coming up here in a little bit. Other news: uh, the the Titans announced that their strength coach. Uh, Tom Canavy, I guess is his name, uh, will not be back next year. He's a guy that was a holdover from Steve Watterson's staff, um, you know, and then when Watterson decided kind of right, really late this summer that he wasn't going to come back, Canavy took on that job. Carsey said on the radio that he thinks there's a guy at Ohio State that was, you know, his contract's ending up right now that Mike Vrabel might want here but couldn't have gotten him last year because of his contract at Ohio State. So kind of some news there. And then the other news, they just came out, again, from Kaharski. All the position coaches are going to be back. Um, you know, there was a lot of noise about Keith Carter. People want Keith Carter to get fired. But, you know, the offensive line, I, I, they weren't better than they were last year. They weren't necessarily any worse either. Uh, you know, Ben Jones has struggled the last couple of years. Josh Klein has struggled. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how much of an effect Keith Carter had on that group, you know, whether positively or negatively. But at some point, you need some continuity so good, I think, that they're going to bring everybody back at least for one more year and try to build on what they were able to do this year. Worth mentioning, too, Dean Pease had retired last year, and, right. and Vrabel pulled him back. He's pushing 70, I believe, now. Uh, so he's got a little bit of a decision to make there. I don't think that's been firmed up. So um, we'll see. But, yeah, yeah, it's continuity. It's something the Titans haven't had um, really, I mean, since, what, Jeff Fisher? Uh, you know, I, I just think that's a part of this Marcus Mariota equation. Uh, you can't really 
switch offenses every year and, and expect uh, you know different results. So uh, Lafleur did not light the world on fire. Uh, there were times where we were frustrated. Um, I don't really know what my opinion of him is right now, but at the same time, uh, Delaney Walker, you know, week one, you had Richard Matthews quit the team. Uh, you had offensive line issues all year long, and then you had the whole deal with Marcus. So I don't know if it's really fair to judge him on year one. I don't know if it's really fair that he gets a head coaching job uh, or, or at least an interview uh, either. So I don't know. NFL teams are trying to uh, copycat each other, trying to get a little piece of that Rams uh, offense in their own offense. Uh, yeah, I understand that, but the results on the field, year one for the Titans, uh, you'd have to overlook a lot of shortcomings if Green Bay were to hire him. Now, I don't think he really has a legitimate shot at it. Maybe they're just looking to uh, kind of look through his, his brain and see if they can pick up on some things. So uh, you have to kind of keep that in mind this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, Dean Pease, I mean, um, you know, he had the health scare of this year in, in, in Indianapolis. Um, Vrabel has said that he would like to have him back, and I guess he's going to take a couple weeks and decide. Hopefully he decides relatively quickly because, you know, there's a lot of changes, obviously, around the league going on right now with coaching staffs. And, um, you know, you, you want to be able to get in front of that and get – if there's a guy out there that you want, uh, you'd like to be able to go ahead and start having those interviews and stuff before – other staffs get finalized. Um, so we'll keep an eye on all that. And I would imagine that, you know, I mean, Brable and, and Pease are obviously close. Like you said, Brable pulled him out of retirement uh, last year. So I would imagine that they've had those types of conversations. They can be honest with each other with that kind of stuff. And so I would imagine we will get a decision on that pretty quickly. Um, the other thing before we get into, you know, a little bit deeper on the Matt LaFleur conversation, the Titans did sign nine players, the nine players that were on their practice squad to futures contracts, which I think just means they'll be here at least in camp next year. They have a contract going in the next year. Uh, those players, Dalen Dawkins, Jamil Douglas, Mike Jordan, Roger Lewis, Jamil President, Dan Quisenberry, Caleb Raymond, Devin Ross, and Damon Webb. So, um, you know, a couple of notes that Dalen Dawkins obviously was up uh, a, a couple of different times, I think, throughout the year when different injuries happened. Jamil President was a guy that flashed in the preseason. Um, then he ultimately had an injury, came back late in the season. Um, so, you know, I don't know, any any names there that you think have a chance of of making an impact on this roster next year? Yeah, President, like you said, is the one that stood out. Uh, he stood out in preseason. Uh, honestly, didn't make the team because he got hurt. Uh, so that's that's a potential that well it's not potential it's definitely a, a position of need uh, a, a guy that that showed that he can get after the passer a little bit uh, in preseason so hopefully he'll get a chance I'm sure the Titans are going to be active at that position but uh, worth another look for sure yeah and that's that's a we're going to be talking a lot about edge rusher outside linebacker defensive line really over the next few months because uh, you know that that group wasn't good enough this year. And you're already losing the guy, the two guys that were your starters at least coming into the season, and Morgan Arakpo. Um, and you know, again, they weren't good enough, so they're gonna they're gonna have to bring in some numbers there for sure. And, and he's a guy at least flashing the preseason, um, and showing a little bit of, of an ability to make some plays. So that's good. And uh, we'll just kind of keep an eye on that as it as it plays out. All right, last segment we'll talk about Matt Lafleur and kind of what that would mean if he does leave. What that would mean for the Titans in their offense. 
So, like you said, I, I mean, we, we have some, I would say, I don't know, issues, concerns, or whatever, however you want to say that, with some of the things that happened on the field with the offense this year. It never became what we all hoped that it would. Um, you know, we, we really leaned on those those comments from Dan Orlovsky, uh, you know, on this podcast and different places as well, where we're saying, you know, look, six weeks in, it'll click, it'll, you know, you'll see a big change, everything will, like, that never happened. Now, there were a lot of things around this team, injuries and whatnot, that probably, you know, hurt that from from being able to happen. But we never really saw this offense until the last three weeks with Derrick Henry, three or four weeks with Derrick Henry. We never really saw this offense develop an identity or definitely not maintain it. I think now, you know, with what you're looking at, you, you build around Derrick Henry – um, you know, if he if he continues to run like he did for the last month of the season, you've got something there, and then you, you need to put a, a few more pieces in place. Uh, you hope that Jack Conklin is healthier next year. You hope that Delaney Walker and uh, uh, John Smith both come back and, and are able to contribute and, and, you know, be what they were before their injuries, and then you're better off. You add another weapon maybe on, on the outside. You've got some things there. But even with all that being said, they need to maintain some consistency and some continuity with the voice that Marcus Mariota is hearing. And, you know, again, we'll, we'll have our Marcus Mariota discussion. However you feel or don't feel about him, he's going to be the quarterback for this team in 2019. He's under contract. I doubt they give him an extension, but he's, but he's going to be here next year. And, you know, he's, he's been on the team for, what, four years? He's played for three different head coaches. Um, you know, a bunch of different off- offensive coordinators, uh, different offensive coaches, quarterback coaches, whatever it may be. So this could be, you know, one of the one of the first times in his career that he's able to have a healthy off season, where he is able, you know, to be here to be present for everything. Because I mean, we know that the the nerve issue that he has needs some time to heal. But by the time you know OTAs come around, you know, in the spring, everything should be good. He'll be ready to go with all of that. Be able to have the same voices here. I, I think that's important for him, and I think that's more important than trying to maybe get a guy that that you think might be an upgrade for Matt LaFleur, if that makes sense. It's important for any any young quarterback to have a consistent voice, uh, a consistent offense. You know, they, they've learned, I, I think, three totally new offenses. Uh, you go Wisenhunt, then you go Rybisky, now you go LaFleur. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would like to see him get a second year in this offense for the reasons that you mentioned. There was so much working against uh, Marcus himself. But, you know, if you're going to make that uh, excuse for Marcus, you kind of got to make it for Matt LaFleur, too. So it's uh, not exactly fair to, to judge what we saw. Um, and, you know, the, to LaFleur and, and the offensive line and Derrick Henry's credit, they kind of found their, uh, some sort of groove at, at the end of the year. Maybe it's not the groove that people really wanted to see. I mean, for me personally, I'd love to see – uh, this team winning with Marcus Mariota playing at a high level because I think that's the way to the promised land in the NFL. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll certainly take moving the ball with Derrick Henry. Uh, his coaching staff clearly did something to Henry that, that we haven't seen uh, before in his career. So, and, and, you know, you look at a guy like like Dennis Kelly uh, that seemed to, to really come on at the end. The offensive line seemed to 
grow at, at the at end of the season. So, yeah, I, I think if you you enter next year with the mentality, all right, we're going to run the football, build off of play action, we're going to get Marcus Mariota healthy, we're going to add a piece on the outside, we're going to get Delaney Walker back. There's a lot of positives there. A lot of uh, a lot of things that you didn't have last year. So, yeah, I, I just think this group was thrown so many curveballs, uh, and I don't think people really see – the big picture when they evaluate Marcus, when they evaluate Matt LaFleur. Look, maybe maybe neither of them are the answers, but I think at least you, you give them one more year, you know Marcus is going to get another year. Uh, it, it sounds like you're going to get another year if LaFleur, assuming he doesn't get this job. So um, kind of excited. You know, it, it feels weird to say, but I'm kind of excited to see them enter next season with Derrick Henry as the, the focal point and just kind of build the, the passing game off of that running game. Yeah, and it, it does suck that whatever change took place with Derrick Henry, it took so long into the season to happen. Um, because, you know, if, if he had a run like that from the beginning, I think you wouldn't have seen as much Deion Lewis as you saw. And, and, and you would have been able to use Deion Lewis more in, in the complimentary role that I think he was really signed to have. Um, but, you know, at, at, in the middle of the season, they were kind of trying to shoehorn him into that feature back role because Derrick Henry just wasn't doing well. Um, and that changed as the season went along. And like you said, just all the other stuff. And, you know, if, if we're going to be fair here, we've somewhat given Marcus a pass for his injuries, for offensive line injuries, you know, tight ends, wide receivers, whoever. All those injuries, we've somewhat given him a pass for those. You have to do the same if, if you're being fair for Matt LaFleur. Like I said, there are some questions with some things that happened in games. But I don't think, you know, if, if you just said – at the beginning of the year, you were going to, you know, Marcus was only going to be completely healthy for a handful of games. You weren't going to have Delaney Walker for 15 games, you know, and then you're going to lose John Smith at the end. Uh, you know, Jack Conklin was never going to be quite right. The, the whatever with the offensive line wasn't going to be what they, I mean, obviously thought it was going to be. They had Josh Klein all that money. Um, it it would have been hard to, to imagine that the team would have had any success on offense. So I mean, I mean that 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 just kind of is what it is. Like I said, I just think for Marcus's sake and continuity, you you've got you got to hope that Lafleur is back and you can build off of what they were able to do. And you know we'll, we'll see. I mean I think that they should be active in free agency. I, I think that would be the place for them to find a receiver uh, because you can you can do that a little bit more than you can with some of the other play, positions they're going to need, specifically edge rush. You're going to have to have some help there. You're going to have to find in the draft guys that can come in and really contribute. You know, they just don't hit free agency. So um, th- there's some moves that they're going to need to make to upgrade that stuff. I don't think Ben Jones will be back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Quentin Spain. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts there, but I think you need to give the, the coordinator, the quarterback, and all the coaches another year to kind of build off of what whatever foundation was set this year. Yeah, and John Robinson needs to jumpstart it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm tired of drafting receivers and waiting three years uh, for them to do anything. You know, I'm tired of taking these projects. Go sign one. You know, we, we talked about it in midseason. He, he didn't go out and get anybody. It's fine. He has a chance to fix it in the in the off season by giving up nothing more than money. That's uh, what it's there to do. Uh, it's a make or break year for Marcus Mariota. Go get him something. Go get him an established vet. I don't. I don't know a name right now, but you know, it, don't go bargain hunting. You know, sign that first tier, sign that second tier receiver, put someone opposite of Corey Davis because it's pretty clear Taewon Taylor cannot be relied on 
to be that guy. So neither can Tajay Sharp. So you put a guy outside next to Corey Davis that gives Marcus two receivers. You know, go sign a guard, maybe sign a center, fix up this offensive line. I'd love to see the Titans really make an aggressive push and in, in, in free agency for once uh, with, with a couple of different names. Then kind of fix up the front seven in the draft. I, I think it's the best way to go. Yeah, and you need to do it now because, I mean, <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation after this year. So no reason not to be aggressive. Like you said, nothing more than money. They're going to have cap room. I think they've got something like $44 million as it stands right now, and you've got you know a handful of contracts that you could move on from um, that will free up even more money. So no reason to, to not go after it right now um, because you might have a lot more questions following 2019 than you do right now. All right, that'll do it for today. Uh, we appreciate you listening. And like I said, we'll be here uh, pretty consistently throughout the offseason. So um, just keep, uh, like I said, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the episodes. You'll get them as soon as they are available. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Morris MCM. Terry's at T Lambert FB. Uh, we'll have at least one more episode this week, uh, kind of just giving our thoughts, I guess, overall on Marcus Mariota, kind of the whole situation surrounding him. So we'll try to do that tomorrow. So you can look forward to that. Uh, for Terry, this is Jimmy saying thanks for listening to Locked On Titans, and we'll talk to you again later this week. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.